What's happening, everybody? On today's show, the SEC makes history on Saturday with some big points scored. We'll give you our winners and losers of week one in the SEC. And we're going to recap last night's LSU versus Florida State game. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your team every day. All right, we got to jump into it. Get to our winners of SEC Week 1, but first off, it was a banner day in the conference. Ten teams in the SEC on Saturday scoring 40 or more points, the most on any single day in the history of the SEC. Also, ten teams in the SEC won by at least 30 or more points, the most on any single day in SEC history. So let's jump into it. Let's get to our winners of the weekend. Winner. And now, your winners of the weekend. Real winners win. And we start with Jalen Milrow. The Alabama quarterback was outstanding in his first start of 2023. All the questions of who would be the Alabama quarterback were answered, and Alabama made it clear. Sticking with Jalen Milrow into the second half before they would throw Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson in there late. It was a 56-7 thrashing of Middle Tennessee State. Jalen Milrow finished the day going 13 for 18 for 194 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. Also added seven carries for 48 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Was he as good as Bryce Young? Probably not, but look, he was really, really good. Had some mistakes at times, took a sack or two, but... Now Alabama fans have reason for confidence heading into their Week 2 matchup against the Texas Longhorns. Isaiah Bond was great. Five catches for 76 yards and a score. Jermaine Burton and Amari Nyblack also caught touchdown passes. And Bama rushed for over 200 yards while their defense held Middle Tennessee to just 211 total yards offense and only seven points, which came in the fourth quarter. That is what Alabama fans were looking for. Good quarterback play. Dominant run game, dominant defense, and uh, maybe not as dominant run game as they were hoping for, but nonetheless, if you're an Alabama fan, any concerns you had going into the Week 2 game against Texas, you should be feeling really good. Are they going to win the game? We'll talk about that throughout the week, but uh, again, confidence uh, restored there a little bit in Tuscaloosa with some fans who were maybe, you know, maybe wavering a little bit from the years of dominance with the two losses last year, but nonetheless, they are loaded. And Milrow looks the part, and they look ready to go. Other winners of Week 1, how about over in Athens? As Brock Bowers, he had the first touchdown of the game, a three-yard rushing score, followed the day with five catches for 77 yards to lead the Bulldogs on the day. Just such a weapon. Obviously, his numbers going to continue to grow as the season goes along. My Heisman Dark Horse candidate, quarterback Carson Beck, he started off okay, 21 for 31 for 294 yards and a touchdown. Also had a rushing score. 
But it's obvious the centerpiece of this offense, once again, is Brock Bowers. He is going to be a monster this year. Also, a hat tip to the Georgia defense. Holding Tennessee Martin to just 262 yards of offense, only seven points. Of course, those came in the fourth quarter. Michael Williams with a sack. Kyron Jones with an interception as Georgia won 48-7. A little slow out of the gates. Only led 7-0 after the first quarter. 17-0 at halftime. But they steamrolled Tennessee Martin in the second half. A date with Ball State is up next for Georgia. Other winner of the weekend. How about Joe Milton over at Tennessee? The Vols. They were also a little slow to get going, like a lot of SEC teams were on Saturday. They had the early kickoff, but Milton eventually settled in and got things going, going 21 of 30 for 201 yards, two passing touchdowns, also had nine carries for 33 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Was he as fluid as Hendon Hooker? Maybe not, but he was still really, really good, and it was a great building block. Uh, for Milton as the Vols get Austin P next week in Neyland Stadium. And his receivers were solid. Ramel Keaton leading the way with three catches for 66 yards. Squirrel White had six for 45. Brew McCoy had a couple of catches. And a special shout-out to the Vols' run game, going for 287 yards on the ground, led by Jalen Wright. 12 carries, 115 yards for Jalen Wright. Jabari Small, he had 67 rush yards. But how about Dylan Sampson? 13 carries, 52 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Also had a nine-yard touchdown catch. Absolutely incredible day for Dylan Sampson. I want to show some love to that Vol defense as well. I know Virginia is bad, but still, that was a Power 5 program from the ACC, and the Vols held them to just 200 total yards of offense. D. Williams recovered a fumble. The defense had four sacks. An impressive, dominant performance to open the year for Josh Heupel's uh, team up in Knoxville, and we'll see what they can do here in the coming weeks. Another winner of the weekend over at Ole Miss, it was Trey Harris, the senior wide receiver transfer coming in from Louisiana Tech. He arrived in Oxford in grand fashion, six catches, 133 yards, and four touchdowns as Ole Miss routed Mercer 73-7. Harris had 10 touchdowns total last season at Louisiana Tech, so he is well on his way to surpassing that number. But any questions of who would be Ole Miss's starting quarterback, they were settled very quickly as Jackson Dart started and went 18 for 23, 334 yards, four passing touchdowns. He also had 36 rushing yards. And the reigning SEC rusher, uh, leading rusher, Quinshawn Judkins, he had 13 carries for 60 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Receiver uh, Jordan Watkins, he also had a 100-yard day through the receiving game and uh, finished behind Trey Harris on the day. But welcome to the SEC freshman linebacker Centarian Perkins leading the team with nine tackles on the day, had a sack, had a pass defense, four sacks on the day for Pete Golding's defense, holding Mercer to just seven points and only 235 yards of offense. Look, I'm on record. I'm questioning this Ole Miss defense. Granted, I don't know how many answers we can get from playing Mercer. Mercer's terrible. But nonetheless, you got to tip your cap and say they did a great job. Uh, also, the offensively, Lane Kiffin's crew, Ole Miss with 524 passing yards on the day. That's the most in a single game in school history. A tougher challenge comes this week for Ole Miss as they travel to take on Tulane, who beat South Alabama to start their season. Not an easy task for the Rebels. Michael Pratt and that offense, keep in mind, they just beat Caleb Williams and USC in their bowl game a few months ago. Can they give the Rebels... A tough task in week two. We shall see. Another winner of the weekend. 
Over at Texas A&M, it was Connor Wegman. Maybe nobody loves the Bobby Petrino hire in College Station more than the Aggie sophomore quarterback. Wegman started his second year going 18 for 23, 236 passing yards with five touchdown passes as the Aggies rolled New Mexico 52 to 10. Wegman also had 22 rushing yards, and he becomes the first player in A&M history to record five touchdown passes in a season opener. When you're talking about, you know, a guy who puts up five touchdowns, like, you know, putting up numbers that uh, we haven't seen since Johnny Manziel, those are good numbers for Wegman. He had a total uh, of, uh, what was it, eight touchdowns all of last season. He already had five in game one. He is uh, off to a great start. Evan Stewart, he was outstanding with eight catches for 115 receiving yards and two scores, while Anai Smith had three for 40. But how about the sophomore receiver, Noah Thomas? He had just 51 receiving yards all last year. On Saturday, Noah Thomas, six catches for 74 yards, and not one, not two, but three receiving touchdowns. He is a weapon and an offense that already has Stewart, Smith, and Moose Muhammad. Noah Thomas is a guy you have to keep your eye on. And shout out to DJ Durkin and the Aggie defense, holding New Mexico to just 222 yards of total offense. Let's see what they do this week. They head down to Miami uh, to Coral Gables to take on the Hurricanes. That is going to be a monster one. Another winner of the weekend, we'll throw Robbie Ashford in there, the backup Auburn quarterback. He had to hear all offseason about the hype surrounding transfer quarterback Peyton Thorne, who was named the starter a few weeks ago by head coach Hugh Freeze. But if you listen closely to Freeze, he kept telling you that Ashford was going to play. I even predicted they would use Ashford as a goal line quarterback because of his running ability. He's just too good to keep him off the field. Well, we saw exactly that this week for Ashford as they uh, Auburn beat UMass 59-14. to Ashford had nine carries for 51 yards and three rushing touchdowns. He is just a ridiculously good offensive weapon to insert into the red zone. His running ability, hard to defend. Peyton Thorne was fine in the day. He went 10 of 17 for 141 yards and a touchdown pass to Jay Fair. But it was Ashford who grabbed the headlines in this one. Next up is a road trip to Cal for Hugh Freeze's crew. Let's see how they do out there. Also, shout out to Auburn picking up four-star O-lineman DeAndre Carter on the recruiting trail yesterday. And a shout out to Hugh Freeze helping roll Tumor's corner after the game. First time in a while for that one now that the trees have fully matured. Another winner of the weekend, it was KJ Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, going 18 for 23 for 246 yards with three passing touchdowns and a rushing score to go with it. Arkansas routed Western Carolina 56 to 13. Jefferson is one of the top returning quarterbacks in the SEC and his week one kept him right near the top, working for the first time in that Dan Enos offense. KJ looked great. Let's see what he does in the coming weeks. So a good start there to week one. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to give you some of our, uh, not so much losers, but disappointments of week one in the SEC. That's coming your way in a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at Athletic Brewing. Uh, it is time for a game changer of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Robbie Ashford at Auburn, who had nine carries for 51 yards and three rushing touchdowns, Athletic Brewing they are completely changing the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full of flavor, well-crafted, well crafted, just like a full-strength beer. And their brews are great tasting, award-winning, and they beat out uh, full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, 
Golden Sours, and more. They are constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. They're fit for all teams, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity even more enjoyable. And the best part is no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic in-store, online, and at bars across the country. They're the fastest-growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so come get on board. Non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic beers at a store near you, or go check them out online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, you can use our code Locked On. That's going to get you 15% off your first order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Run along here, Locked On SEC. And a reminder, college football season is here, and this season Locked On is kicking up our coverage with the Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live covering playoff implications, conference rivalry games, and going in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Go find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's get into our losers of week one. And uh, look, you know, we're being a little bit nitky, nitpicky here because there weren't a lot of teams that lost. But we got to be nitpicky because unless you dominated, we are calling you out. And first up on our losers list, it is the South Carolina offensive line. Look, no surprise here. When you get your quarterback sacked nine times in a game, you get the distinction of loser of the week. And it's not like Julius Pepper reincarnated and went back to North Carolina. The Gamecocks offensive line is just that bad. And they got Spencer Radler killed back there with the Gamecocks losing to North Carolina 31-17 in the Dukes Mayo Classic. I've been talking about this all offseason. It's been my biggest concern for the Gamecocks. And Shane Beamer's crew was able to... Uh, they were able to keep themselves in this one for a while. They picked off Drake May a couple of times, but the South Carolina offense just struggled to find consistency and execute when they needed it most. They rushed 31 times for a net of negative two yards. No run game to speak of. Uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, if you look at the box score, 30 for 39 for 353 yards. That looks good. Uh, he found Xavier Leggett, uh, primarily, who had nine catches for 178 yards. No Juice Wells, who's still coming back from that offseason injury. But no passing touchdowns for the Gamecocks in this one. If they want to achieve their ultimate goals for this season, they have got to protect Rattler better, especially in the red zone and on third down. It was Rattler's first 300-yard career game without a touchdown pass, but sacked nine times. That is not going to get it done. Carolina was 4 for 14 on third downs. 0 for 4 on fourth downs, and they are uh, just 6 and 28 against AP ranked opponents since 2015. They get a break this week hosting Furman, but then it is a road trip to Georgia in week three, and they have got a lot to figure out before then, particularly how to protect and give Spencer Rattler more time. We saw it in the backstretch of last season when the offensive line played well and gave him time. He can execute, but man, it was just soul crushing watching uh, every big third down and, and big situation there. Late Saturday night, it felt like Spencer Rattler was just getting knocked down like, like a rag doll and disappointing there for Gamecock fans. Another loser of the weekend. We're throwing Billy Napier in there. I know we talked about it on a Friday show, but just a disappointing week for a guy who, you know, or with an offensive mind like Billy Napier, to go up to Utah, lay an egg, only scoring 11 total points in their loss to the Utes. 
Next up, they get McNeese, where they should settle in and put up some better offensive numbers. But then it's Tennessee in week three. Coming to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, how quickly can Napier rally the troops and get this offense going? I thought they had a chance to be one of the better run games in the SEC this year. But following week one, they had just 13 net rushing yards. That's the worst in the SEC, uh, or one of the worst in the SEC after week one. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, too good for that ranking. So let's see if they can improve on that. All right, now we're going to get really nitpicky here with some of our disappointments of week one. I'm going to put Rocket Sanders in here. Like I said, getting nitpicky for a guy that had two rushing touchdowns on the day for Arkansas. But Sanders with 15 carries for just 42 yards. That's an average of just 2.8 yards a carry. That's low for a guy who was the second leading rusher in the SEC last year. One of the best running backs in the country. Again, being overly critical here, but after week one, Sanders finds himself around 15th in the conference in rushing yards. He's behind two Georgia running backs, two Tennessee running backs. He's even behind Robbie Ashford over at Auburn. So would like to see Rocket Sanders' rushing yard total uh, increase in the coming weeks. But it's kind of how the game played out. KJ Jefferson was taking a lot of the offensive yards. But I want to see Rocket Sanders' run totals go up and average more than three yards a carry uh, in the weeks to come. Another... A disappointment of the weekend. I'll throw the Aggie run game in there. Again, being nitpicky as the Aggies routed New Mexico. And we talked about Connor Wagman was flinging the ball around the field. But an offense that lost Devon A. Shane, one of the more dynamic rushers in the conference last year, they ran the ball 29 times for just 134 yards. Amari Daniels led the pack with 51 yards. Levian Moss had 26. Ruben Owens, a true freshman, at 25. But just something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. I'd like to see the Aggies be a little bit more balanced when they get in the conference play. Still some questions for that offensive line. How good will they hold up in run blocking when they get into SEC play? Uh, plenty of time to still address that. But next up, the Aggies get that road trip out to Miami, which is not going to be easy. Let's see if they run the ball well over there. Another one of my, just again, slightly disappointments of the weekend. I'm going to put Devin Leary in here. I had high hopes for the Kentucky quarterback coming in from NC State. Look, Liam Cohen's back as the OC. Leary wasn't bad by any means. He just wasn't efficient. He went 18 for 31 for 241 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Receiver Dane Key was uh, had a nice day, five catches for 96 yards and a score. But Leary missed him, uh, he missed Dane Key on a pass in the red zone and finished with 13 incompletions. That's something he and his receivers are going to need to improve on in the coming weeks. And that reworked UK offensive line. It was fine overall. They allowed just one sack on the day. But there were times Leary had pressure in his face. He had to throw the ball earlier than he wanted to. That led to incompletions. So just want to see that improve week to week. A quick shout out to running back Ray Davis, former Vandy running back. Comes over to Kentucky, finishes with 112 rushing yards and two scores in his Wildcat debut, though his run in the final seconds of the game pushed him over the 100-yard mark, but that's good news for Kentucky. Uh, in the next few weeks, they're going to get um, a little bit of an easy road. Next up is Eastern Kentucky, then Akron, before they go to Vanderbilt in Week 4. And uh, Kentucky, by the way, they've won 17 of their last 18 non-conference games, so a chance to put up some more wins and really get better before the schedule gets brutal. Another disappointment of the weekend, I'm going to put Tulu Griffin in here for Mississippi State. Look, they routed Southeastern 48-7. We saw a much more balanced Bulldogs offense uh, with Will Rogers throwing for 227 yards of two touchdowns. It was the fewest attempts in any career start for Will Rogers, of course, moving away from that air raid offense. They rushed for almost 300 yards on the ground. This one was 
Uh, close early. State led just 3-0 after one quarter, then 20-7 at halftime before they busted it open in the second half, outscoring the Lions 28-0. Woody Marks, he was great on the ground. 19 carries for 127 yards and two rushing touchdowns. But one of the weapons that I told they really wanted to let loose this season was Tulu Griffin. He finished with just four catches for 33 yards and two rushes for a loss of two yards. Not an awful day, but I just thought he was a guy that was going to be featured much more in this offense this year. Creed Whittemore and Marks both had more receiving yards than, than Griffin in this one. Still very early. I just want to see more from Tula Griffin as we go along. He's got the dynamic speed, but hat tip to friend of the show, backup quarterback Mike Wright. He had five carries for 95 yards in this one, showing off his running ability. Something the Bulldogs can use as the season goes along. And Zach Arnett, on a day they honored the legend Mike Leach. Following his passing, uh, Zach Arnett becomes the first Mississippi State head coach to start his tenure 2-0 since Jackie Sherrill back in 1991. And lastly, on our disappointment, I'm going to put Vanderbilt in here. Let's talk positives first. Vandy is 2-0 to start the season, and that's good. They beat up Alabama A&M 47-13, but it took them a while to put this one away. Vandy led them just 5-3 after the first quarter. It was a baseball score, and they led 12-3 at halftime before scoring 35 second-half points. But the question is, why did it take Vandy that long to put away an inferior opponent? Freshman Cedric Alexander rushed for 87 yards. Quarterback A.J. Swan, he threw for 194 with two scores and a pick. They travel to Wake Forest next uh, this coming week, and that is going to be a huge step up in competition for Vandy. Uh, Wake Forest won their Week 1 game uh, as well. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to recap the LSU-Florida State game from last night. That's coming your way in just a sec. Great time to remind you guys this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to go join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and even more. You need to go check them out right now. Go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. Go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. They are FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. Roll along here on Locked On SEC, and we've been doing our winners and losers of SEC Week 1, and now we've got to get to our biggest loser of Week 1 in the SEC, and that goes to the LSU Fighting Tigers. What in the world was that, LSU? Uh, the primetime Sunday night game billed as the biggest college football game of the week on a national stage, two top 10 teams, LSU and Florida State, battling it out in what was a very competitive first half. In fact, LSU took a 17-14 lead into the half down in Orlando, but Mike Norvell's Florida State crew, they steamrolled Brian Kelly's bunch, scoring 31 unanswered points uh, before LSU got a late garbage time touchdown and the fifth-ranked LSU Tigers lose 45-24. to It was a tale of two halves, but a lot went wrong for LSU in this one. Outside of some Jaden Daniels runs, LSU had very little run game to speak of. The Tigers' wide receivers, they dropped a ton of wide-open passes to stall drives and scoring opportunities. 
Uh, the LSU offensive line build is one of the best in the country. They got pushed around by Florida State's big defensive front at times. Uh, how about that guy Harold Perkins? Paging Harold Perkins. Remember him? One of LSU's storylines from the offseason was Harold Perkins playing more inside linebacker this year. Defensive coordinator Matt House. You may want to reconsider that as Perkins' name was barely mentioned in this one. One of the country's most elite pass rushers a year ago, and LSU opted to use him uh, not to use him in that role. Uh, most importantly, LSU, they have a defensive back problem. Deuce Chestnut does not appear to be an SEC caliber corner. He did have the interception in this one uh, that uh, was the lone mistake that Jordan Travis made on the night. But Florida State's big body receivers uh, like Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson combined for over 220 receiving yards. Coleman hauled in three touchdowns. Uh, former South Carolina tight end Jaheim Bell, he was... Very underutilized in his career with the Gamecocks. Well, he hauled in two passes in this one for 49 yards and a touchdown and added a rushing touchdown as well. Aaron Anderson, the uh, wide receiver from Alabama, transferred in to LSU. Well, he lost a very costly punt for a turnover and had a few ill-advised kickoff returns. He was not good in this one. But the storyline really was Florida State's Jordan Travis throwing for 342 yards and four touchdowns with a rushing score as well, go ahead and pencil him into the Heisman running after his week one performance. It was phenomenal. But look, we're not going to sit here and write LSU's obituary today. There is still an entire season left to play. And let's remember, LSU lost this game a year ago and still found a way to bounce back to win the SEC West and beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Remember that? They did do that. I see a lot of people stomping on LSU's grave today. And look, they deserve the criticism. It was terrible. But what we also need to remember was it's one game. And uh, there tends to be a little bit of overreaction. A lot of people saying uh, Brian Kelly was never a good fit for LSU, never should have been hired. Look, he beat Alabama in year one. Let's not forget what he accomplished uh, in his first year. This is certainly starting year two off on the wrong foot and certainly showing a lot of folks that Maybe this LSU team was a little overhyped. You lose a lot of pieces on that defensive side. Offense still looked pretty in sync, but uh, you know you lose Kayshawn Booty, Malik Neighbors. Who else can step up? Well, you see guys like Kyron Lacy and Brian Thomas dropping wide open passes in this one. They both made their fair share of good catches as well, but it's dimey drives and forced LSU to punt a lot. But uh, this marks one of LSU's most embarrassing losses in recent history, and the Tigers have now lost four straight season openers. When you go back to their national championship in 2019, remember the Joe Burrow year? LSU opened 2020, the COVID year with Mississippi State. They lost to K.J. Costello as Mike Leach ran it up on them. The next year, they went out to Los Angeles, lost at UCLA in Coach O's final season. And then each of the past two years, under Brian Kelly, he has lost to Florida State both season openers. So, you know, someone was saying maybe LSU will start scheduling some cupcakes in week one moving forward, but don't look next year. They get USC next year in Vegas to open the year. So uh, LSU maybe stop scheduling these tough non-conference games when you look around the league and see, see you know, Middle Tennessee and uh, Tennessee Martin and Mercer. That maybe might be what, what Brian Kelly wants to schedule in week one moving forward and not these big marquee games because LSU is not – uh, lived up to the hype in them in recent years. It's just been tough. But uh, LSU, they will get grambling up next before they have to go to Mississippi State in two weeks. They have got to regroup and play much better moving forward. But my goodness, Brian Kelly's bunch, just a disappointment 
right out of the gates. And uh, look, uh, fan base is angry. They have a right to be angry. And uh, coming out of week one, LSU, South Carolina, and Florida. Big questions with those three programs. Now, again, we can chalk it up and say Florida lost a really good Utah team. LSU lost a really good Florida State team. And, of course, South Carolina lost to a pretty good North Carolina team. There's no shame in saying that. Those are all three good programs that those teams lost to. But again, with LSU, you're the only one that was ranked preseason top five. South Carolina and Florida not ranked. So uh, to lose in that fashion, embarrassing. But hey, look, at the end of the day, this Florida State team may run through the ACC. They may beat Clemson, and this team may be undefeated at, at the end of the year. And we may be looking back going, well, you know, LSU was good. They just weren't as good as that Florida State team. That could certainly be the case. But uh, when you look around that Florida State team, the uh, transfers they added this offseason, my goodness, they uh, hit on just about all of the right ones. And they are off and running. And LSU begins their season 0-1. They are our biggest loser of week one in the SEC. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers coming back every day here and joining us tomorrow on the show. We'll get to some more news and notes coming out of SEC week one give you some more takeaways and get you uh, start to get you ready for week two of the SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Thanks so much for tuning in, listening. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll talk to you right here.